Hello, brothers, and welcome back to KKSI Presents. I'm your host, Bonko, National Vice President for Student Affairs. And I am so incredibly grateful for this opportunity to be a part of this production. Of course, I couldn't do any of this on my own. I have some amazing help from our national communications team, our student advisor committee, and of course, a special shout out to our editor, Ryan Smith, for all of his hard work and dedication to this podcast series. So to all of our returner listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome back. Thank you for your continued support and for your um, ideas and help through these tough times and giving us your ideas and suggestions. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to our show. I don't know what brought you here, but you're here. So again, we truly appreciate you taking the time to join us today. This podcast is, of course, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Psi National Honorary Band Fraternity. The purpose of this series is to provide some some helpful insights, some helpful tips, suggestions, and to showcase the different voices of the brotherhood in a hopefully entertaining fashion that will keep you coming back. So today's guest is joining us all the way from Mount Nationals. I don't really know what that means. I've heard that a few times. So of course, I'm just kidding. I don't know what Mount National actually means, but he's actually joining us from the NED. Uh, This brother is currently serving as our national vice president for programs. And I'm very excited to hear what he has to share today about all the updates, about all the things going on. So without further delay, let's pass it on to our guest for an official introduction. Mikey? Hi, Bong. Thank you so much for inviting me into this podcast today. Truth be told, I've heard Mount Nationals before. (laughs) I'm not a big hiker myself, so (laughs) happy to be down on the ground with everybody else. Um, As Bong said, I'm Mike Napolitano. Um, Feel free to call me Mikey. Um, I am the National Vice President for Programs. Uh, I hail from the Kappa Upsilon chapter at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, again, in the NED. Um, I am an alum of that chapter. served as their chapter sponsor for 14 years. Um, I currently serve as the college's uh, assistant director of the music program. So I oversee the daily operations of the Marist bands, the Marist singers, orchestra, um, about 75 to 90 academic classes and a faculty of 20 plus in any given semester. Um, I've been with the fraternity initiated in the spring of 2002, and I've taken on a number of roles in the fraternity, um, on the local level, all the way up to, to national at this point. Um, again, I was a chapter sponsor for 14 years. Uh, I chartered and was the president of a local alumni association for the New York Metro area. I served as the membership director for the Kappa Kappa Psi Alumni Association Board of Directors from 2013 to 2015. Um, In 2015, I was named chair of the Alumni Association Board of Directors. And then from 2016 to 2019, served as Northeast District Governor. So I've been around the block. (laughs) Um, and, And it's great to have worked with every kind of different level of membership of the organization from our active members to all the way through to our alumni and life members and, Mm -hmm. and having worked closely with the national leadership team for, for several years. Um, It's, it's fun. And I think now more than ever, um, our presence is something that's really important so that we can show how important the band movement is, the college band movement is Mm -hmm. during these really stressful times. So 
Love that. Love that. Thank you so much for, for sharing. Um, and we'll definitely be hoping to draw on some of that experience today and, um, and hopefully get some advice for our listeners as well. So thank you. And I wanted to say go foxes. Is that right? Go foxes. Red foxes all the way. <laughs> Good. I love it. So you kind of touched on these stressful times. Uh, I did want to ask you, how are you adapting to this quote unquote new normal and how are you, how are you adapting to this pivoting, all this pivoting? I, I, I'd be lying if I said that it was easy. Yeah. Um, personally, the thing that I love most about my job is being able to work closely with students, mm-hmm. um, to see them collaborate, to see them thrive, to see them produce something, mm-hmm. um, to watch their expressions. It's something that I know that at this point, as as I work partially remotely and partially on campus, um, it's something that it's it's a if I were to say devastating, it it might seem a little melodramatic, but but it's painful. Mm. We don't get the opportunity to see music made in the same way that we've ever done it, and. I also look at social media and I see how many programs have just said like, you know what, not worth it at this point and, mm-hmm. and silence that music. And I know that there's been pressure from, from some of even my, my supervisors to say, you know, is this, is this something that can be safely done? And while the administrative stuff I can do anywhere and bless technology for making that remotely happen. Yeah. The, the, difficult part of it is, is helping get that creative side out. Mm. Um, so we've had to be, we've had to innovate. We've had to think differently. We've had to think about what a new normal looks like. Mm. And what does a new normal look like when you don't know when the next new normal might happen again? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been a challenge. And, and I, I would imagine that if, if I'm feeling like it's a challenge, then students that are going through the processes of all of it and mm-hmm. directors and sponsors that are trying to negotiate this have even more stressors on them than I can imagine. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we can we can get some some groundwork laid to, to make this moving forward a little bit easier. Yeah. And one, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, definitely. I mean, there's just so much going on right now uh, that we are all just kind of working through, especially when we are just kind of on the screen all the time, just zoom, zoom, zoom. Um, But I I think you make a good point. There's, you know, we we look at our students, we know that there are many students out there who are doing their best to adapt. Um, And I think sometimes we do forget about our sponsors and directors and those who are trying to kind of do that balance of, all right, keep our students safe, kind of continue a program, continue their work. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, regardless of the work that you do, regardless of the title, we're all human. We need to check up on each other. And I mean, I myself will admit, like sometimes it's hard to check up on each other when you don't even know how you're doing. And I think sometimes, right. And, and, and sometimes you give yourself that, you have to give yourself that grace and just, and have trust that, you know, there is that bond there. Maybe it may be not as like, um, obvious, you know, hanging out with each other, spending as much time with each other, doing that work together in person, but trusting in that bond, trusting in the journey that are all, all together and knowing that the values and, and the experience and memories that we share together. Um, and of course the lessons of our ritual continue to, to hold us together. So just I, to say, fair to realize that like, it's okay at this point to say, 
you're not okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's a vulnerability for a lot of people, but at the same time, there's a support system that this fraternity offers us that makes it safe. <laughs> I, it's strange that we've been on my campus, we've been trying to come up with all of these different scenarios on how to perform music safely. And the science and our reopening teams on our campus keep saying it, but playing a wind instrument or singing, it's, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And how do you tell that to a student where that's their life? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you tell a student, you know, the one thing that you love to do, the one thing that you might find you want to do professionally, yeah. or the one thing that you might want to teach in the future, right now, that activity could be something that kills you. Yeah. And our students are taking it with such resilience and with such strength mm -hmm. that it, it gives us a level of confidence that we know how seriously that this is, is this is right now. And mm -hmm if there's any hope for us continuing the movement of music and progress forward, the pivot guidance that we give and the guidance that our directors and sponsors give, it's a great framework, but our students are the ones that are carrying the torches here. Mm. And to know that they are willing to be more adaptive, more flexible and work in such a different way. I mean, there's no other word than different for it. Mm. It's just so, it, it gives me hope that when we finally turn this around, when this finally is under control, we can look back and say, you know what? We're prepared for anything in the future. We are prepared for the next pandemic, the next time we have to shelter in place, the next time <laughs> that hopefully it never happens. But in the recesses of our mind, we know that this is, it's there and yeah. stronger from it. Yeah. 100%. No, I, I totally appreciate that. Yeah. So, I mean, for all those listening, like we feel you, we're here for you. You're not, may not be as obvious as, you know, we are all also looking to our own health and, and filling our own cups and doing our best as well, but just know that we are here for you. And of course we can always do better. Uh, but I think at the start of the, at the end of the day, it, it starts with that communication and letting us know one, how you're doing and two, how can we continue your help? So with that being said, I wanted to transition to the next question here. This has been, in my opinion, the longest biennium, and mostly because 2020 has been the longest year ever. Um, Absolutely. Like a lifetime, right? So with that being said, with this biennium, I wanted to see if, if you would be uh, willing and able to share with us some, some updates on what the National Council has been up to 2019-2020. Uh, Absolutely. The, um, when we started this in 2019, I, I'm pretty sure we all had a different trajectory <laughs> as to where this was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. um, we all had kind of the, the bright, shiny glimmer of celebrating the centennial and knowing that there was a great future ahead of us. And it seems like January came and we started to hear about this thing that was knocking on our door. Yes. February, I mean, we were able to get some some of our local events around the country out there. Um, so our local like area meetings and precinct meetings and things like that. Um, as far as we know, safely happened and we're able to bring in some great leaders into those events. And then March came. Mm. I feel like it has been March for the past seven months. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. um, 
every day we keep finding new things that will seemingly keep us back home. So um, it was an incredible task. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have to give Marco incredible kudos on this one for bringing together a technical team, a programming team, mm-hmm. um, a core of volunteers that stepped up to the task to bring everything virtual for two months without a playbook. Yeah. It was as far as, as far as like technical goes Mm -hmm. almost without a hitch, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially Preston Ramsey, who led our tech team. Mm -hmm. So the, the fluidity of making things happen. Awesome. And we would be so, in the wrong if we did not congratulate every district officer <laughs> led during that that strange time um they were amazing yeah yeah um they had to put together a convention plan in december that was going to bring in the world of leadership mm-hmm. to their fingertips and then all of a sudden it crashed yeah and for them to modify and to work together with you and the student advisory committee to, to change the narrative so quickly, uh, it, it speaks volumes about how, how awesome our, our fraternity is. Yeah. Um, after that, um, the world again, seems to, um, want to throw curveballs at us. It, it, <laughs> the nation on at this level of unrest that it still sits at yeah. uh, is something that we can't ignore. So aside from dealing with whether or not our campuses were going to return to on-ground instruction and activity um, and developing that pivot guidance, that coordinated effort with Tau Beta Sigma to keep the safety of our members really paramount to everything, the world around us, aside from COVID, just seemed to blow up in a way that... um, we have to address it is something that if we we turn a blind eye to it it is something that um will only serve to hurt us in the future yeah um and and in doing that i think there are a couple of steps moving forward that i think are great opportunities for us um in the past couple of days you've probably seen that marco has put out a call to action for uh, developing a task force to lead diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives for the fraternity, um, which goes in line with the statement of solidarity that, that we put out there in June. Um, we realistically cannot say that all lives matter in this world unless we take the stance in solidarity to say that Black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, uh, the National Council and Bong Yu have spearheaded such great conversations with our HBCU chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've gleaned such insight that we have never really heard from in, in these discussions. Um, and we're, we're, we're trying to take some forward action. Mm-hmm. Um, that task force isn't going to be just a surface action. What, what the goal is, is to provide some real permanent structure to the fraternity that will allow for us to address past, present, and future issues as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the implementation of those things. Um, And I think that having those conversations and taking that action um, 
it, it is it's really it's it's providing hope that we can be that beacon for so many people that have felt marginalized and so for so many voices that have been silenced and to show that we are working to become a better organization that meets the needs of all of our members. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some of the big things. Um, some of the um, other scaled projects, um, we are finally putting the founder circle on the ground mm-hmm. and I could not be more excited. Um, in the spring when we did have some events, um, we did deploy a few founder circle workshoppers and presenters out to some of those local events. Um, five of the six districts were planning on having in-person founder circle presenters at their district conventions. And then the world came crashing down again. So, um, we've got a reset. Um, we are, um, actually going to be meeting with the Founder Circle team in the upcoming week. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to bring in some of our student leaders to start working with them on how they're going to introduce you to the Founder Circle in their district conventions and spring programs, which mm-hmm. I couldn't be more excited for because this was a leadership program that the students wanted. And it's a leadership program that was developed by a core of volunteers that deserve to have this work delivered in a way that gives it the respect and the prominence that, that it, it, it requires. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those big projects that I'm glad we're, we're making some, some motion on. Mm-hmm. Um, we are looking at developing some new grant initiatives. Um, we're also going to be putting forward a proposal to the programs committee at the national convention, um, looking towards a national programs engagement program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're having those ongoing conversations um, with student advisory committee. That is like our rock at this point. Mm-hmm. It is the constant. Um, and through all of this, we're still managing to bring two colonies into the fold, which is super exciting. So as weird as it sounds, we have not met in person in what, nine months at this point. Yeah. Since, yeah. Since January, honestly. Right. Yeah of work that we are we're doing we're just not stopped so covid covid be damned it won't stop us miss rona miss rona no thank you so much for for going through that and again you know there's there's just so much going on so much happening and it just seems like and yes, yes, you may be experiencing your own home chapters in your own lives that there's just these roadblocks, roadblocks, roadblocks. And um, it's it's one of those things where uh, we give ourselves a little bit of grace, kind of adapt to it. And then we figure out different solutions. We, differ, we figure out uh, different ways and really leveraging our creativity um, as musicians and artists to figure out new ways to go about things. So I, I really do appreciate um, you sharing that. And of course, a huge shout out to our district officers from the last cycle to this cycle. Now, please don't let this get to your head. I'm just saying it once and that's this, this is all you're gonna get from me, okay? So with that being said, I uh, we are, uh, this will be aired in November. Uh, and I, I heard that this is a pretty big month for KK Psy for a couple of reasons. Um, I think I know, but I don't wanna be wrong. Can you tell us a little bit more why this is? Well, National Month of Musicianship is every November, but it also coincides with our Founders Day. So November is kind of like happy birthday. Let's make some music happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do I now do I have permission to, to call it mom? Because I, I said mom once and everyone's like, what is that? I mean, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> 
Um, it's sometimes month of musicianship is a little hard to roll off the tongue. So um, that's why. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, so, I mean, those are two huge, huge components to just our organization. And it just happens to be at the same month. Um, so I wanted to see if you could tell us a little bit more about mom, our month of musicianship, and to see if you had any suggestions for brothers, active alums who are maybe just completely virtual or just away from their other chapter members uh, and brothers to participate. Um, do you have any suggestions how they can ex- you know, work on their musicianship and express their love for music? Absolutely. Um, so month of musicianship actually dates back to the days of Derek Mills. Um, he created this month to celebrate musicianship during our founding month. So it's kind of like absolutely the happy birthday, let's make some music kind of thing. Um, And it's always been a showcase of how our our brothers and our band programs make music, um, appreciate music, advocate for music programs and band programs and and continue the legacy of the band programs that they walked into. one of the things that always stuck with me, and this comes back to uh, a workshop I attended in 2013 at the national convention um, in Springfield. Mm -hmm. And it was run by Amy Hevelin, who at that point was one of the directors on the alumni association board of directors. Mm. And it was about music advocacy and all of the different organizations that help support music programs, whether they're public schools from K through 12 or, um, community organizations or, or, or college and university um, advocates. And she said this one thing that has always stuck with me. And it was, if we don't fight for our bands, who will? Mm. And when we did Month of Musicianship last year, um, it was it was a kind of a, a creative way to not just showcase music, but to talk about our relationship with music. Mm. Um, for those who don't remember who are new, um, we have this idea of kind of a fill in the blank engagement and it was music is my blank. And you talk about what your relationship is by filling in that blank. And so many people were talking about music is my love. Music is my passion. Music is my safe place. Mm -hmm. Music is my, um, hobby. Music is my career. And you look at music in so many different relationships and you look at music in so many different perspectives that everybody brings that to the band. Right. He brings their own specific reason why they're so connected to music back to their band programs. And I think that's why our band programs are so strong. Mm. And I didn't realize it that this year more than ever, we have to examine what those relationships are, our personal connections with music are. Mm. Um, I never in a million years thought that we would have to look at not just the service and the music function of what band is to our lives, um, but now that most of us are in this position where ensemble participation is so limited, that personal connection means something more now than ever. and it's, it's hopefully the, the students and those across the country that participated last year, hopefully they have those messages in their back pockets mm-hmm. for the rainy days where it gets dark mm-hmm. um, because that's what builds resilience. Yeah. And this year's month of musicianship is similarly themed, but 
a little bit more forward. Mm-hmm. When we talk about resilience of our band programs and the creativity and the innovation that they have to do, um, we realize that it's us that will keep our band programs together. So mm-hmm. this year, um, the hashtag, the trend that we're going to go with is bands don't break. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a play on words from the concept of when times get tough, we often have to bend. We have to be flexible, mm-hmm. but we never break. Mm-hmm. It's our resilience and our strength that keeps us together. Yeah. So for this year, um, and we realize this is more than likely going to be a social media heavy year. Um, How do we showcase the best of resilience among our programs? Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to probably take some conversations among different members of our organization. Mm -hmm. Um, The students that are trying to figure out how to safely practice, um, are are ensembles that may be socially distant Mm. if they can participate in an ensemble at all. Um, So showcasing some of those, those actual music activities. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many of our programs have had to go virtual. So if your program, if your chapter band, if your uh, groups are working on virtual performances, which are incredibly difficult to organize. Yeah. Mm -hmm you can always showcase them. We can always share those, those music performances and those music initiatives. Mm -hmm. Um, But also more than ever, those conversations with our directors and sponsors about how they are working with their students to keep their resilience up, Mm -hmm. um, checking in on them because let's be honest, nobody went to college to get a degree in pandemic studies. (laughs) at least music school anyway. Right. <laughs> those epidemiologists are in high demand right now. Um, but those band directors don't have that kind of, that expertise. So um, no one has ever trained an administrator or <laughs> a band director on how to get through something like this. Right. Checking so in with them to show that they're resilient in guiding our students to make mm-hmm. music happen. Um, it is something that, I never thought a month of musicianship would ever look like, Mm -hmm. but if we see across the news that there are so many music programs that are being closed because they are deemed unsafe and they're on pause for a year or pause indefinitely, that, that idea that Amy always brought back was if, if we don't, if we don't fight for our bands who will, this is just one step that, demonstrating safe musicianship, demonstrating our resilience, demonstrating its effect on helping those students cope during these difficult times. Yeah. Um, that's just one step to keep that fight going and show that our resilience matters. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, it's just time and time again, I, I am amazed by just like you had mentioned, like the resilience and the creativity that our students, our musicians, the members of our organization are able to really hone in to create, to continue to create music, to find ways to continue to serve. I mean, I, I've, I have seen some highlights um, or, or some shares from uh, some of our HBCU chapters who, I mean, their communities are hurting and they're finding ways to continue to serve. Either, even if it's just like through playing music and bringing some, some joy in, in the, you know, in the, the short time period that they are together. I mean, there's just so many different ways people are trying to figure out 
how can we still incorporate music service and really at the end of the day, that leadership on campus in our communities. So, you know, as, as Mikey said, please share with us what you are doing because we want to highlight that stuff um, and not just, and now I will say with, with everything, we, you know, our communications team, we uh, been a little bit behind just because we are adapting as well, but at least we'll have a, um, a data bank, some content for us to share throughout the year. This is not just about November, right? So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I did want to ask Mikey. So at the end of the day, you know, the most important thing um, is the safety of our, our members. So with yep. that being said, I know we have pivot guidelines. I wanted to ask you, are there as, as students, uh, chapters, brothers, um, some places may be getting together in person. Uh, some may be trying. Uh, are there any pivot guidelines or suggestions that brothers should pay attention to so that we can focus on safety as well? So in terms of musical practice, always defer to the authority of your campus. Mm -hmm. They have been doing the work to make sure that safety protocol, safe practice, and those guidelines are in effect mm -hmm. to make sure that you are making music safely. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of chapter operations, we have done an incredible amount of work to make sure that some of the operating tasks um, of a chapter don't fall behind if you have to meet virtually. Mm -hmm. So in terms of uh, meeting etiquette and meeting practice for your business meetings, um, those can be done virtually. Those can 100% be done virtually. Mm -hmm. um, we've even come up with a number of methods and, and I've worked with a few chapters when the time comes to do your chapter elections safely virtually mm. so that you don't need to, to cram into a room for a nominations or for a, a, an election meeting where just by virtue of being together might be deemed unsafe. Um, when we talk about the ritual, please be in contact with your district officers, your district councils. Mm -hmm. um, the ritual performance and education team, Jessica Lee, myself, um, have all worked with the district councils to create um, virtual safe spaces for um, those that still need to get the introduction from the spring 2020 semester. Mm -hmm. um, for those new brothers that may have not gotten the information about second and third degree, Mm -hmm. but also to continue that ritual education and that those, those, um, those touch points for those that are coming into the fall. Um, we still encourage you to take in classes if it's safe to do so. Um, but the education can all be done virtually. The education program can be done all virtually. Um, the ritual performance and education team is happy to step in to help if you need lessons that, that require some additional instruction or some clarification. Mm -hmm. um, if you need deed brief on any of the um, degrees, curriculum, the curriculum committee, um, they are working hard to assist in that. Um, in the education points, the ritual performance and education will work through the um, first, second, and third degree debriefs with you. We will get through this all together. Um, but don't, especially on the ritual component, do not put people at risk at this point by going and meeting together to to perform the ritual. Um, mm -hmm. The proximity that the ritual requires deems it unsafe and, and you don't want to turn the ritual into a super spreader event. Uh, so even if your campus 
guidelines are less restrictive in terms of that mm-hmm. as a national organization across the board. It is the please participate in those, those ritual functions that our district councils have set up for you to, to learn that material. Yeah. Um, do not offshoot and make sure that um, your directors and sponsors are aware of that as well. Yeah. In terms of service, um, some of the activities that your band programs traditionally do Um, whether they're outlining the field, things like that. Um, If you are not sure about whether or not your activity should happen on ground, um, because we have essentially grounded um, in-person meetings for the organization. Um, If you have questions about service and opportunities where some of the in-person things might um, be required, email healthandsafety at Mm kkpsi.org. The health and safety team, as well as the national council will review those questions to make sure that um, you are operating as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is just to respect the guidelines, respect each other to keep each other safe during these times. Mm -hmm. Um, Call on the curriculum committee. If you need some assistance in, in doing the road to wisdom lessons and call on ritual performance and education. If you have questions about, um, any of the ritual. Um, I should also note the inner circle has been delivered or is in the process of being delivered to your director of bands. Mm. Um, so if you had spring 2020 initiates, um, your band director will be getting their shingles and membership cards along with your fall 2020, uh, membership cards provided you've paid your dues and done all the reporting on time. And Mm. along with that will be the, uh, inner circle. So your band director will be that point person, especially if you're, you're forced to meet remotely. Um, there is now somebody that is the custodian of that information. Mm. Um, the inner circle, the, the curriculum for ritual education. Um, if you are interested in reviewing that or, or looking at some, um, assistance in deploying that with your chapters. Again, that's another question for the ritual performance and education committee. Mm -hmm. Uh, Abigail Johnson has taken an incredible amount of lead on that. She is the chair of that committee. Um, She is innovative and insightful and the work that that committee is doing at this point to try to bring some virtual education to you all um, couldn't do it without her, her guidance. So big thanks to her too. Yeah. That's great stuff. Um, like you said, and we'll, we'll continue to repeat this every single day is that your safety is the most important thing. Of course, we still want you to be able to partake in brotherhood events, continue to make music, continue to be leaders and to, to serve your bands. We get it. Yep. We're servant leaders. We get it. We know you want to, you have your hearts in the right place. But at the end of the day, when you take a step back, your the safety of your, your brothers, the health and safety of, of, our organization um, that needs to come first. And in a way, like we are serving, we're being selfless in a different way. And what I will say is through these times, because you know we haven't been able to meet in person, uh, I, at least for myself, I've been able to do to work on and focus on other aspects of my fraternal experience that 
quite honestly, uh, I should have done a long time ago, but I didn't. For example, you know, that that book that we keep away, um, you know, when we only pull uh, uh, maybe once or twice uh, a year, uh, you know, I actually read that note written by the Evan Thompson. Um, and then, you know, there was another note about just kind of talking about how the ritual was created. And I'm just, you know, I, I'm taking this time to say, okay, yes, I can, we can't do this in person. I can't do ritual. I can't go home and, and see, you know, Alpha Zeta's new class. I, I get it. It hurts. It sucks. But in a way, I feel like we're having that time to rest and strengthen other areas of our fraternal experience so that when we are able to come back together, it's going to be this joy, joyful experience. So I'm super excited to see you all in person, um, to see the National Council in person, hopefully soon and, and safely. Um, but for the time being, you know, we are going to stay put, stay safe and continue to follow pivot guidelines. So, um, Mike, I didn't put this in the script because it's just sort of a curveball for everybody, but it's more about you. It's, I, I, I want, I wanted to ask all of our guests fun questions okay. just so that our audience can know a little bit more about them. So, um, I will, for those who have, who have listened before, I promise not to mention my spider burning the car question. Okay. So my first question, and this would be rapid fire. So whatever first comes to mind. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite color? Blue. Great. Love it. What is your least favorite color? Yellow. Okay. What is your favorite food or meal? Mozzarella sticks. And oddly enough, they have to be breaded and not battered. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I never knew the difference, but now I have never tried battered, but now I have to. Just to, just to see. Uh, what is the one food item or thing that you will just, you will not touch? If it's in a dish, you won't touch it. I have a real big aversion to seafood. Okay, same. Okay, thank you. Uh, noted. So National Council will never go into a seafood place. Great. Um, what is your favorite smell? Ooh, um, I'm gonna go with the like slow cooked Sunday tomato sauce. Okay. In the Northeast, we might call it Sunday gravy, um, but it's like that tomato, basil, garlic, onion smell. Like, yeah. love it. Okay. Okay. I love it. Uh, if, if you could just snap your fingers right now and just go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Ooh. Um, I'm not sure. I would say I've always wanted to go to Italy. Let's go. I love it. So let's see if you could have dinner with one famous person safely, who would that famous person be? It could be dead or alive. Just one? Ugh. Only one. Only one. Um, ooh. If, when, I've, when I've been asked this question before, my, my go-to has always been Oprah. I just think that she is so creative and like, she's just awesome. And I feel like she would have a really great cook. So like the conversation would be great. The food would be great. Oprah, Oprah, 100%. Oprah, yes. Okay, I love that. Uh, let's see here. Mm -mm -mm -mm. What was your favorite cartoon show or movie growing up as a kid or growing up? Oh, this is going to age me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I used to love, and I think it's like a British cartoon, but they used to play it on Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. And it was called Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse. Okay. 
And it was like a British mouse spy. Okay. Or an eye patch. I don't know why. Um, and would go around solving crimes in London. It was, I, yeah. So it was like a badass Sherlock Holmes mouse. Yes. Without the funny capes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Love it. What is your biggest pet peeve? Ooh. <laughs> um, I try, and some people would disagree, but I try to be pretty tolerant of um, other people's idiosyncrasies. Um, so maybe I'll turn it back around on me. One of the things that drives me nuts, and this is a personal thing, um, is like when I'm in the car or if I'm at home and I look at the air conditioning, it either has to be set to an even number or a multiple of five. Okay. The multiple fives, I understand that. I Something about the odd number on a, a screen, like I just can't, I can't. Yeah. So same thing with volume, I'm assuming. Yes, like in the car, the volume has to be set at an, an even number or a multiple of five. I get it. I got a new TV and like, rather than having the little like dot, it has numbers it's like, well, shit. And now, now I can't just like go on what I like. I have to go by multiples of five. In my car, my, my old car used to have the number you could see, like what's the volume level. The car I have now doesn't uh -huh. so literally count the clicks on the dial to make Whoa. sure. Oh, you took it to a whole new level. Right. So maybe it's not so much a pet peeve as like a obsessive compulsive tendency, maybe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, great. So my last fun question is, um, I know you are a fan, a, a fan of the golden girls. Oh yeah. So out of those characters, individuals, who, who do you vibe with the most? Um, so Blanche is a little bit of a harlot. She's, she's a little bit promiscuous. Okay. I don't necessarily vibe with that. Okay. Um, Rose is a little bit too naive. She's a little bit of a simpleton. Uh -huh. So I try not to vibe with her, but like sometimes gullibility gets the best of me. So I probably vibe with her more than I'd like. Okay. Sophia is kind of the sage. Mm -hmm. uh, she's the storyteller. She's very quick witted. Um, she's not necessarily the most forward thinking, Mm -hmm. um, so I do vibe with her a little bit when it comes to crafting a story as a narrative and trying to impart some sort of knowledge. Mm. Um, hers is generally more effective than mine, <laughs> but Dorothy. Okay. He seems to be the one that I vibe the most with. She is the most acerbic, the most articulate and eloquent. She's, and I'm only going to say it because like, these are values that I aspire to. Maybe I don't necessarily embody them, but I certainly mm -hmm. try. Um, she is someone who in her past had mm -hmm. dealt with a very challenging, um, her story was very challenging. Yeah. So for her to come out on top at the, especially at the end of the series, um, it's one of those stories of perseverance and triumph that like, yes, I would love to maybe not have gone through the challenges that she has gone through, yeah. but to embody the spirit of the fight that she does. I love that. You, you, need, you need that kind of like spirit animal to kind of help guide you through your tough, especially during these times, right? Oh, yeah. I like love it. Dorothy do. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. 
so Mikey, thank you so much. Um, you've, I've asked you lots of questions already and really do appreciate your willingness to speak on everything so far and share, um, all the information, background information, and just kind of some of the plans that are, um, coming forth. Uh, I did have one last question for you. Uh, well, I guess it's not the last question, but the last question that's not this technical question here is what piece of advice can you share with our listeners? Because, you know, when we talk about monthly musicianship is it, while we do focus it on November, we want to encourage students and brothers to continue to work on musicianship and their love for music beyond November. So what, what is, is there a piece of advice you can share with our listeners? Right now, when we don't know when this is all going to be over, music is the one thing that we can really value as the thing that, that, our love will keep us going. And mm-hmm. the if there's one thing that I can impart about it is now we have to think about music differently. Mm. Um, it's not just the practical craft of putting an instrument to, to your mouth or holding a drumstick or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to think about it in what a virtual world looks like. And I, I, I think it, and then I look at some of the students that I have on my campus, Mm -hmm. they are doing some really creative and innovative things that continue a sense of music tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, Like our football team isn't playing. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to do a halftime field show. Right. Except there is because our band needs to make music. Right. So they are going out and they're doing the mechanics of marching. They are essentially silently walking through the drill. Yeah. And they can blast in the music to the songs that they are um, marching to so that they know exactly what that's going to to feel like, but they're doing it without instruments in their hands. Mm. Now that's a practical demonstration, but when they actually meet for rehearsal and they're not doing the drill, they are doing rhythm exercises. They're doing listening exercises. They are doing all of the theory and, and oral skills that go beyond what just playing an instrument requires. So they're doing the learning part of it. Yeah. And then when the time comes and they actually, it's going to happen relatively in a few weeks, relatively quickly, um, they'll be going home for the semester yeah. earlier than they've ever gone. Yeah. Um, they'll be heading home the week of Thanksgiving and then not coming back potentially until the spring semester sometime in, in January. Yeah. When they're home, they're free to make as much music as they can. Yeah. So they're going to record that music that they would have been marching to so that they know that the music and the activity of, of what a field show looks like can Mm -hmm. be done. So they're going to video the actual marching drill Mm -hmm as if they were in halftime mm-hmm. and then they are going to record the music for that, all of their parts, and they're going to come up with a virtual band. Mm. It's a matter of as the students, they just want it. They, yeah. they can't not do it at this point. Yeah. And thinking innovatively about what does that look like in potentially a flip semester in the spring, mm. right? Like if COVID continues the way that it is, what might happen next spring is that schools might start remote and then go live. Yeah. If that happens and and you're making music at home, how difficult is it then when your band can actually start up again to pick up the pace? 
Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to be four, five, six weeks behind what mm-hmm. you normally would, right? Mm-hmm. So for the, the students that you have that are maybe good at music transcription, um, they've worked with notation and authoring software. Yeah. Before you go home for fall for for winter break, now might be the good time to say, hey, director, what music are you are anticipating planning for the spring semester for our spring performances? Mm. Get get those scores and then start transcribing that music safely online so that you can create practice tracks for everybody when they're playing at home. And then that way, when everybody can congregate in some capacity in the spring semester, mm-hmm. you're working on music that is still going to challenge you. And it's not the first time when you sit together the first time, it's not going to be the first time you see the music. Yeah. So you think about the innovation, you think about the creativity and you think about being patient, mm. giving each other a lot of grace right now, because mm-hmm. again, there's no roadmap on this. and making sure that if you see someone that is not doing their best, it's okay to ask them if you can help them. Mm. Um, If you're not doing your best, Mm. it's okay to ask for help. Mm. And if making music is that thing that gets you through the day, Mm -hmm. do it safely. Yeah. I appreciate that. And in a way, I mean, from, from, I think that was very powerful because to me, it kept reminding me of that, um, this whole journey that we're on through this fraternity, through music. Um, there are times where we learn something, we kind of have to like relearn, reaffirm, uh, just like we do our oath or values. And when it, when we look at music, I think there are many voices out in the world, you know, like we, we, we hear all the time on social media, like make the marching band that make the halftime shorter. Uh, why is the band here? Like, you know, push the band out, we give up more seats for the fans. You know, we're paying too much money for, for music. And there's, there's all these outside critics who are saying, what, what is so important and why is music, why do we need that, right? We're spending too much money. And in a way, I feel like we are taking the time to reassess this and, 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 and develop our arguments and say like, this is what has, this, you know, this is what, why is music so important to us? Yes. And we are then able to take the, that and share that with the world and say, this is why music is so important. It's one of those things that sometimes people don't, that don't understand the craft take for granted. Mm. Our bands, our musicians are often the campus ambassadors. Agreed. (laughs) How often are our bands called out to community events, to civic events, Mm -hmm. to warm up the tailgates, to do all of that? Because Mm -hmm. that is the spirit of the college and the spirit of the university. And to know that they are not being able to operate is... It can be demoralizing to the community on your campus as as a whole. Agreed. Right? Like it is it is so difficult for us to look at a world without a band. And mm. we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't even entertain the thought at this point. Mm-hmm. Like if there is something that our ritual teaches us, it is how do we use our values to navigate chaos? Mm. And I will leave it at that. Um, <laughs> right. Like not going to dig deep into this, but it's there and right. we've all done it. Yeah. If you, if you start to feel like the world is kind of caving in around you, that the chaos is getting a little bit, it's getting much, it's becoming too much. 
Do what you did. Look back at what the ritual teaches us. Read the ritual. You may not have a ritual book on hand. um, And that can be difficult for some of our active members. But while you're meeting virtually, you can have these discussions about our values and our, our, our charge to, to support each other and to, to put music as, as our, our predominant value. Like that's, Mm it's something that will continue to unify in us and, and continue to define who we are as an organization. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Very, very powerful stuff. So Mikey, thank you once again for taking the time to join us today and just for sharing all that you have so far. Uh, and you know, I'm super excited for, for our listeners to actually um, hear this and to, to get to go through um, all the, the great nuggets that we've, we've had through this this episode, uh, let, let's say that if people wanted to reach out to you for further questions or just for further guidance, how should they get in touch with you? Uh, easiest way is to email me. Uh, my email address is mnapolitano at kkpsi.org. Um, I'll spell it for you because my last name can be a challenge. Um, so it's the letter M N A P O L I T A N O at kkpsi.org. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. To our listeners, if you wanted to reach out, I mean, I do highly encourage you to reach out, especially to our students. If you're looking for ways to just be proactive and to have some initiative behind and be intentional about uh, working on your musicianship and, and sharing your love for music, please reach out to Mikey and see how you can get involved with month month musicianship. And of course, all chapters, we encourage you to help us celebrate uh, Founders Day this upcoming, uh, well, just soon. So a huge thanks to our listeners for joining us today. If you like this episode, then please share, suggest our podcast series to another brother today and subscribe if you haven't already done so. If you didn't like the episode, if you don't like the series, blame Jessica Lee. Uh, She is that person to go through feedback. I'm just kidding. Uh, So, you know, we do this not to hear ourselves talk, but to share insight that could be meaningful for you. But the most important thing is that it has to be meaningful for you. So we need your help in finding topics to cover that are, again, important to you and brothers to join me as guests on this show. Uh, If you have any suggestions, then please reach out to me at bonco at kkpsi.org. That's B-A-N-G at kkpsi.org. Thanks again for joining us today on KKSI Presents. My name is Bonco, your host, and I wish you all much love today. And as always, A-E-A.